You need. <laughs> I'm calling the string thief. Fall down on your face cocktail. Indeed. Make it a double. Make. I think I made it a quadruple. <laughs> I needed this. Well, I'm Jessica. And I'm Yonit. Welcome to the Kiddush Book Club. L'chaim. L'chaim. So yummy. Ooh. So basically, it's the ingredients for a duck fart. I didn't know that was a thing. Which is which is a delicious layered shop, but I don't know how to do that, so I just layered them all. I mixed them all together with ice. It unlayers in your stomach anyway. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's they all separate. So this is like a mixed duck fart. It's like a mixed duck fart with vanilla soy milk added. <laughs> I guess I would say it's like Irish cream, okay, um, coffee liqueur. Mm-hmm. And which I don't know, a different kind of liqueur. It's like a coffee whiskey. Mm-hmm. And what's the third item? <laughs> no, I forget. Oh, black spice rum. Because it's fall. It's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. And something about fall makes you want to have mm-hmm. like dark and stormies. Hundred percent. Yeah, anything that like says you know we we gather at midnight, which is we do. We do. Yeah. With yeah. our fall bring down your broom. Your face. Let's go. Bring the broom. I had a friend leave me a tiny little amazing gift it was a broom sitting outside my front door like a little glitter broom <laughs> i love the glitter broom like the cinnamon broom except oh, it was a glitter broom instead nice. a little spider on it it's like this That's is your cute. it's your and your token oh i saw this tiktok video this gal posted she was doing some video about something and then she saw a spider on her ear and started screaming but it was spider earrings that she herself had put all <laughs> and forgot about i i had a bag of mini spiders from the time i pranked my sister and um, when she got a new house, and I filled it with little spiders. And <laughs> um, she, well, she had done it to my other sister in New York. So, that's like, right, that's, right. that's fair, right? Turn around, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, not that I had anyone do anything to me, sadly. Advocate violence. Uh, yes. So, uh, she, <laughs> I found a few of them in my car in a little baggie because I forgot. And for a moment, I was like, why do I have a bag of spiders? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they're really good spiders. For a spell. Obviously. Well, okay, so speaking of are the month of October. locally sourced spiders? <laughs> they are. So speaking of the late month of the month of October and the season mm. and this country does Halloween at this time. Mm-hmm. So we get all the spooky ghouly moments is the books I've been reading lately have been like that. Really? I, okay, so I love Alice Hoffman. You have a dark soul. I do. And yeah. I have a dark soul like her. That's right. We are, we are bonded though, not related. <laughs> we share a name. Um, which every time I read one of her books, my daughter's like, so you're not related to her and you're both writers. Mm. Yes, we are. <laughs> and so her book, Practical Magic. Yes. Is like. Classic movie. Yeah. I mean, you have to watch it this time of year. I mean, mm-hmm. for goodness sakes, that's. It's gotta be on the list. It's gotta be on the list. So mm-hmm. that book was, takes place like 20th century. And then she wrote another book, which was like the prequel to it called yes. Rules of Magic. I think I read that one. Wasn't that great? That's it takes the one place in like the seventies with the the siblings, the three siblings, yeah, living yeah, in the house oh, in Manhattan. Love it. So good, and then they end up going back to Salem to try to kind of figure out their past. Mm. And then this one, which just came out, is called Magic Lessons. I saw. I, I rated it five stars. Oh my gosh! <sighs> it pulled me right back into the world of magic and Salem oh and New England and history and so good. Oh, it was good. By by the, by page five, I was like, I could do magic. Hmm. All I need is some licorice root. And <laughs> I think that's the shot you had earlier speaking. Before I read the book? Or just now? 
I'm well, not drinking all the time. That's fair. That's I rate it five stars, and a common question people have been asking since it came out is, what order do you read it in? Oh. Have you read all three? I have not. I've only read that one, Rules of Magic. Okay, so it's, listen, each of them is their own entity, mm. and I think they independently work. However, the secrets revealed in um, the prequel prequel, the one yes. that just came out, would not feel like secrets revealed. I see. Had you not already read the other two. I see. They would just feel like information. Yes. Like, oh, this is something that happened to them. But if you read the Practical oh. Magic and Rules of Magic, and you'd go, I wonder why it's like that. And then all, all of a sudden you go back to, yeah, see? Don't that's you want cool. that? Don't you want that no, feeling cool. of going, no, oh my God, the whole time? Like, that's such a, it's designed to be a revelation from the author herself. Designed it that way. Why would I want Yeah. Skip that. I don't want to skip that. That sounds amazing. So that's the order. Read it in the order it came out. So I'll say that I'm only, I'm only reading Happily Ever Afters right now. Like I I saw that. So I was checking out books aspirationally Mm -hmm. to the reader I want to be. And I think I just need to admit that the books I borrowed from you and the ones I got from the library are just not going to do it for me right now. Because there's no Happily Ever Afters. Because I just, I don't want to invest unless there's a Happily Ever After. I just need... Balm for my soul, okay. something like uplifting. It, even this book I brought, like yeah, I almost, what you got? I literally almost died reading it and had to stop multiple times. Okay, this is the Hating Game. Have you read that one? No, but the cover makes me think it's a lot of fun. So the Hating Game by Sally Thorne. So it's got my favorite things. It's uh, Loathe to Love. Okay, um, which I love so much. Yeah, I mean that's um, a, a great trope. They hate each other. They love each other. Scarlet and Rhett. Who doesn't like that? So like. Us, the main character is pocket sized. Ooh. So, which they mention all the time. And then when they said she was five feet tall, I'm like, that's not even that small. She could fit easily into overhead storage. <laughs> but, like, you know, we know people who are shorter than that. So, that's like, right. But they keep saying how tiny she is. Yeah. Um, but I had to put it down multiple times because I was cringing. And then there's. There's an inside joke about HR, and at one point I was like, I'm rooting for HR at this point. You guys better stop it. <laughs> well, why were you cringing? Because you said you like it. I did. I loved it. But at the same time, I was cringing because, like, the, they hate each other. And the things they say and do to each other were yeah. cringy. Like, oh, my God, why are you doing this? If I was your friend, I would slap you and tell you to stop. Like, you just kind of want to tell her, like, you're not seeing the world the way everyone else sees it right now. Um, or, well, that's like, a common thing with, with main characters in first person. So, more like, you are acting not yourself. Mm-hmm. This something is happening here that you need to either acknowledge or but whatever it is you need to like do something but she doesn't have a lot of friends which is part of the right story. i was gonna say if so, the character doesn't have a lot of friendships and they don't they don't have that right ability to just be kind of free and right. speak normally everything's kind of on the defensive all the time right so she does things where like again if she had a friend they'd be like I heard what happened to you guys in the cafeteria, and y'all need to cool it down. But she doesn't have a friend. Well, have you gotten to the end yet? Yeah, I finished it. Oh and it's gosh. got a happily ever after. It has a happily ever So what Does I she do... she grow? What I like so much, so, so, so much, is that they resolve... I don't know if it's spoilers, but like, there's a good... There's a start to the resolution halfway through. Okay. So we all know happy live after means that like, they whatever, but like, halfway through, you start to see how they are figuring stuff out i see what you're saying you can see where it, it could go yeah like and if you have a promise of a happily ever after then there's hope that it'll go there exactly right. exactly so you know it wasn't like oh they're terrible to each other in the last 10 minutes they figure it out that i think would be a cheap 
Like, no, you hated each other for like 200 pages. Like, this is not, so like partway through, it's not, it's not that they start liking each other, but they at least start, like, whatever. There's a shift in their relationship. Yeah. Which means that when the happily ever after happens, it's not abrupt. Like, you can see, like, oh, I... Which, which we see I a lot see how books. these things All built. of a sudden, they kiss, and it's like, I'm sorry, how'd you end up with that guy? You should have picked the you other felt, one. You literally fell into their lips. Yeah. And now you're in love. <laughs> I will say that's one of the things I hated about Thor. I was like, he literally fell handsomely in front of you, and now you're in love? <laughs> that is... That's not, not how it really goes. How but you, you enjoyed it? this book. You loved this I did, book. I did, I did, I did. The Hating Game. The Hating Game. By Sally Thorne. So I will say that if you liked uh, Rachel and Solomon's Today, Tonight, Tomorrow. Yeah, same kind of a concept. It has very similar vibes. Oh, then I'm in. So like this is the grown up version because those are high schoolers. Yeah. This is, and, and when I say it's a grown up, I mean it's a grown up. The, oh, so this is a little saucy. It's a little saucy. Right, because mm-hmm. I think that Today, Tonight, Tomorrow is saucy on like the last three pages. Yeah, but it's still like, and not, and it's very innocent. Saucy. Exactly, okay. very innocent. Yeah. This, and this is, this is saucy, saucy. It gets a little saucy. At what level? The kiss quotient level? Because <laughs> <laughs> the kiss quotient I was like, you. she hires a male escort to teach her stuff. And then, like, three pages in, it's, like, down in dirty. Yeah. On, okay, on the third page, <laughs> it's him standing in the shower talking about stuff. And I'm like, I, what? We just started the book. I don't... What? What's, Usually books give you soon. a build-up for that. Yes. It was too soon. So, I'm reading this book. Okay. So, it has all the things I love. Um, it, it's called That's No Lady. That's No Lady. <laughs> and the... So it's, is it, wait, story. is it, that's no lady, that's a man, baby? No. Oh, so it's not that. Okay. <laughs> or, <laughs> or is it, that's no lady, lady, she's, that she ain't a so lady. So what it is, is, so it's got everything I would normally love. It's a historical yeah. romance. Okay. It's got magic. Oh, I like that. It's got a little time travel. The thing that I don't, I couldn't read it. I couldn't read it. I couldn't read it. The idea was so good. This woman travels back in time because she wants to prevent the cataclysmic event that causes her future to exist. It's a little oh, Terminator. Interesting. She's a well-trained killing machine. She goes back in time she, uh-huh. into like olden, like, you know, uh, Victorian England. Oh, kind interesting. Of thing. That sounds great. Okay. Except that the guy she meets is a wizard or like he practices some amount of magic. Well, and, she time travels, so. Yeah, well, so except that he, the way he practices <laughs> magic involves him being very hyper aware about how turned on he is by the magic he's practicing. So he's practicing orgasmic magic. <clears throat> he it's not even that's not even what's the purpose, but yeah. like he just He needs to to practice. He feel no he doesn't. That's the thing what? like he's just like oh, the power is so much for me. Oh, and I was like he gets ew. turned on by his own. It's not related to his magic, but the magic he does turns him on oh. so much. And he's talking about it the whole time and I'm like, could we just Do they ever do anything <clears throat> about it? So that's the other thing. I was like, listen. Isn't that the point of telling listen, me that? Listen. I understand you got, that serves a purpose. Sure. But it is not currently serving a purpose. It's just a bulge in your robe. Could you just stop? Right. They didn't actually, you're using it. they don't actually use it with each other? No, not yet. Okay, so basically it's all this descriptive weirdo stuff where you're like, I don't understand why this is happening. No idea. Why do we have to hear about him getting turned down by Ten his own pages magic? describing how it looks and feels and uh, what how he needs to refocus because it's taking his mind off his magic. I'm like, yeah, I feel like you should. You Can you should. imagine being the editor on that book and saying, you know, I think you need to flesh this out. 
Good use of time. Thank yeah, you. I, I really think you need to, to really spend mm-hmm. some time on this and, and really give the reader. Work it hard. Work it. Yeah. yeah. Give the reader some more. Yeah. I think you got to give it to them. So I had to stop because I was like, I, I, I kind of am curious about where this is going, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to take the ride to get there. Can we, can we, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording and I'm going to give a watch your ears. You can't unhear this alert to Oh, yeah, listeners. please. This is a, your, your content warning. Someone that we are friendly with on Twitter has said their mother was searching on um, e-reader website mm-hmm. for books about Hanukkah. And like Hanukkah fiction. And we're Which gonna, there's so many now. Yes, it's a, so nice. We, eight Miracles and Menorah. Miracles and Menorah. Oh, by Stacey Agner. Oh. And Eight Kisses is a great oh. class. She's in that too. This is a, oh. I mean, we have so many. And we're going to talk to Stacey around Hanukkah time. Um, but this is, this was different. Oh, yeah. She found an 11,000 word no, mini novella. Like, kind of like a really long short story called, oh, I hate saying it out loud. Eight Crazy Cocks. Oh, God. <laughs> And in which a, a I'm clutching non, my pearls. In which right a now. self-described shiksa, that's what she calls oh herself, um, who's married to a Jew, discovers it's tradition to every Hanukkah that there's a major party at the Orthodox shul where um, the men get together and each one every year one wife is chosen and becomes the gift for the all other eight men to have sex. It's not with. even a minion. So that's the thing. They it's like Yeah, it's just because there's eight nights of Hanukkah, like that's the Yeah, joke. I was like, listen, there's so many there's potential that was missed here. Yeah, sure. That's what's what was missed. <laughs> not the fact that she like is like, oh, the rabbi's wife is awful, so he wants to be part also, of it. So the rabbi looks like John Lovitz. Yeah. And then she's like fetishizing some of the like Jews of color yes. that are there. She's like, it's so oh my god, the hottest one is an Ethiopian guy and an Asian guy. And then she says about her own husband that he's the sort of Jewish lawyer that can convince Hasidic Jews to eat pork or something. I'm like, um, I don't, what? I, what? He could charm the panties off a nun, or it'd be more accurate to give some... Yeah, to convince some Haredim to eat pork. I'm like, okay, what's happening? And it's like very, it's like a BDSM book. It's erotica. I'm not, I'm, you know what? Kink books or like, they have you their know, place. have your sexy time. Enjoy your book. The, the idea that it's like a... a the non-Jewish element is, yeah. I think, what bothers me the most. Did you see the other one that I posted? No. Um, it was called, I'm like, Sit, Sit Down Rebecca or something like that. And it was like, um, he treats me like a Jew who should be on her knees. And you know what? I like it. Oh, no. It's an erotica book about she's with a non-Jewish guy who hates Jews or something, and he treats her like... Still no. And I'm like, and Jews Hard don't deserve to pass. do anything except be on their knees and suck things. And this is getting... Oh, Jesus. And she's and she's like, and I like it. And I'm like, no, what's... I, don't. I'm sorry. These are Hanukkah books? Like, no. this is... So don't search Hanukkah on the e-readers. Um, be specific for what you want. Uh, you, need, you told me that there was something you wanted me to look up on Goodreads. Are you sure you want me to do that? I do. I do. I want Fine. you to open. Uh, you, I don't think you see it on mobile. I think you have to open it on the desktop. Oh, I don't, because oh the, sorry. Okay, I'll try it on the mobile. You know, so, What's um, the word? So, uh, no, so I was just browsing. I was looking. Is it the oy of sex? Jewish women write erotica? No, or was, the rabbi wore lace? So I was browsing in the <laughs> romance section and I wanted some sci-fi romance. And I okay. thought, oh, sci-fi romance would be great. But I can't find it on the, um, I can't find it on the... Okay, well, I have Stranded with the Cyborg, 
They're all... Okay, I typed in sci-fi romance, and every cover is a shirtless man on it. Right, so that's my point to you, and some of them are green, and that yeah. was, like, that was it. And I was like, well, that's kind of disappointing. The alien's wife. Because I feel like there is... I've actually read really good sci-fi romance. Her alien like, captor. Amanda Boucher has... A, like, the story is so good. She yeah. has one that I really loved. I can't think of the name, but I, like, really loved it. And it was a real sci-fi romance, like, where there was enough sci-fi plot... And the romance, so that they like carried each other, as opposed to this book, mated with a cyborg. Correct, mating with a cyborg, or taken Again, by the Swarm King. I'm not going to yuck you, young. If that's your love, and good. You like to Enjoy. Read it. No, I'm not yucking any young. This sounds like this has a big audience. But I feel like that the fact that every t- every uh, cover was the same and yeah. the stories were like interchangeable. I was like, there is definitely more variety here, and we're not seeing it all. So what? Something either the variety is in that people like what they like. Yeah. And they'll switch to a different, like, genre of erotica next. Like, yeah. I'll read all the sci-fi ones, and then yeah. I'll read all the Jewish ones, and then I'll read yeah. all the, like, you know, uh, historical ones. Yeah. But, sure. like, maybe that's the variety. Is Werewolf you... ones next, aliens, right. and then cyborgs. Is that they, then... come, in, they sure. come in every... Sure. They come in every... Stop. They come in every single genre, but um, the, each genre has, like, hundreds of them. Eight of them. No. They have eight of them. <laughs> For Hanukkah. Oh, gee. Okay. All right. Right. So it, it really was more sci-fi. Pregnant for the Blue Alien Savage King. Yeah. So they ended up being more sci-fi erotica, which again, erotica is one thing and romance is another. They're sure. not interchangeable. Right. Not interchangeable. Goodreads, I'm looking at you. They're not interchangeable. We know this. And sometimes you don't know it until you're reading it. But then again, sometimes what makes, you know. What makes the Kiss Quotient not erotica? It's really, really an extreme descriptive you know romance novel it's not like reading a regular romance novel that right like i don't know you're right like i don't know i don't know where you would draw the line but i would say that the the character development and the plot maybe so you're saying erotic doesn't necessarily spend time on character development i feel like they have they they spend a lot on the erotic scenes making those really and so again like that doesn't mean that there isn't a plot and that doesn't mean that there's not character development but like I see. I feel like that's the main part, and like oh, the other scenes kind saying. of take you from encounter to encounter. Like with the romance, there's certain things you expect. You want a happily ever after. Yeah. You want to meet cute where they hate each other or like each other. You want a slow build, right? You want the first kiss. There's rules to romance. Yeah. That and all I could be expect. wrong because yeah. my I don't have a lot of experience with erotica. The what they so won't they? You, know. you want certain things, but with the, you're saying there's probably rules to erotica that aren't the same rules as romance. Like there needs to be X amount of scenes, and they need to be the purpose, not the not the side yeah. effect. I see. I see what you're saying. So I'm curious now what the difference is between the two and how we even got in this conversation. And I blame our friend who posted. I blame you. You brought me into this. You're welcome. I did tag you. <laughs> I did tag you. Oh. It's tradition. Every Hanukkah, one wife is chosen. You wanted to say that with like a Yiddish accent, and I feel like it's tradition. You know, <laughs> tradition. Tradition. Why do we do it? Because it's tradition. I, I feel like any. Time. I don't even want to say this. Should have said it with the Yiddish accent. Bang, yeah. Bang. But no, I'm saying like anytime you're talking about something erotic, it's just, it's not a tradition. What if you say it with the Yiddish accent? Maybe. <laughs> oh, and she does specify that like she's going to get some circumcised action, which is nice. That's, yeah, good for her. You know, mm-hmm. it's nice. I mean, you know. So. <laughs> legit. Um, where were we? Oh, before know. we started on this path, we were talking about your character who no one can tell her that she's being kind of a jerk yeah exactly and, right and so i have just read a book where the main character hasn't ever had any friends mm. and it's her junior year 
And she's like, she assumes that everyone is like her. She assumes that everyone is navigating the world she's in, like, to their best strategy. And she doesn't realize that some of these friendships are, like, real. Mm. So when she's a jerk and people are looking at her, like, why are you being such a jerk? And she's like, you would be too. And they're like, no, we're trying to be nice to you. So the book is A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, who wrote Spinning Silver and Uprooted. And this one is the first in a series. And I don't know if I said this to you yet, but when I was reading this, I think around somewhere towards the end of the first chapter, I looked up from the book and I said out loud, this is going to be huge. This is going to be huge. And I immediately Googled it and Universal has bought the rights already before Ah, the book even came out. It's a book about a magic. It's teenage. It's teenagers. It's not like middle schoolers. It is. But I don't think it's for YA. The author in her acknowledgments even said, like, thank you to my editor who told me, even though I don't believe it, that this book, the readers of this book are in their 30s. And I'm like, yeah, we are. Because we read The Hunger Games, and we read Divergent, and we read Harry Potter, and we didn't read them when we were nine. We read them in college in yes. our 20s. Yes. We, we, we're your audience. Exactly. That's right? exactly it. And she, so I think even though it's I'm starring a teenager, it's not a YA. It's, yeah. it's definitely, like, for everybody. This is a crossover, as they say. And it's about a school, a magic school. There's no adults in the building. The, the oh, building does always. the work. And they there's... These like monsters, these maleficent, maleficent things, whatever they're called, who appear out of nowhere and attack. And basically, a very large percentage of students don't make it to graduation. They don't have a choice to attend because the school automatically pulls them from their homes the first day of freshman year if they contain enough magic in their bodies. So even if they didn't know it their whole lives that wow. they were magical, the first day of school they'll be pulled in. So the parents try to really hard that if they have a magical kid to try to figure it out because otherwise they're screwed on day one. They're not prepared. Right. They don't know how to take care of themselves or defend right. themselves because right. right. the right. school's going to suck you in. And so there's like always the one kid who doesn't know and shows up the first day it's like dead within a week you know and so most of the it's very dangerous it's i mean it's called the deadly education wow so she thinks and there's these enclaves around the world of magical groups that protect each other they they put their power together as a group as opposed to having to be an independent source of power Mm -hmm. and because of that when they're in high school they're all trying to kind of bond together based on who's in which enclave Mm -hmm. so if you didn't come there in an enclave you came there just a random kid who happened to be magical you are like you have to kiss them butt in right, order right, to graduate right, right. with You don't group. have the right alliances right. and stuff. And the building is designed in such a way where the monsters come from below. So, But the graduation hall is at the bottom. Mm. So the seniors leave. They're like, they have to get through like an entire auditorium of monsters to get out. Oh, wow. So like only 40% of the graduating class even make it out alive. Mm-hmm. So like that's the kind of the plot of the book is oh, that wow. she's like, it's not happening to me. Um, and she obviously, the main character, is like secretly you know, more powerful than anyone knows, and she's trying not to let on. And that's how it always goes. But the thing is, is that she's been strategizing this whole time, thinking every everything is mm. an When our friends were alliances. Everything's an alliance. Mm. If I lend you toothpaste, that means you have to lend me something. Right, right, right. Right? Everything is an exchange. Right. Everything is an alliance. Or you, know? you only did that because you knew that now I'd be indebted to you and you could call in it for later. And, and you knew I'd need it. But if I show you my, if I give you a spell that you need for my spell book, then you'll realize how powerful I am and you'll tell everybody and then everybody will want me dead because they won't want me out there or they're going to try to pretend to date me because they want me in their thing and then I won't be able to trust anyone's emotions. Like imagine living at that in your head, right? You know how powerful you are, but you don't know if you can tell anybody. So she obviously is kind of a jerk because she's like, 
Everyone's a jerk, aren't they? Yeah, she doesn't know who she can trust. So it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend reading it before you miss the, like, the wave of it. I understand. You're doing HEAs right now. I know. I know. I want to. See, that's, again, I aspire. My aspirational reading versus my reality reading are just in completely different places right now. Okay. Your aspirational reading um, is you want to read these big books that are coming out. Uh, I had a whole list. I had them all from the library. What was on your so list? Happy. Tell me what was on your list. So things on my, oh my gosh, I don't even remember all the names. And I like took them off my list. I was like, oh my God, I can't do well, this. Because what's your Goodreads number for the year that you're going for? Uh, so first of all, I made mistakes. Okay. Jan- <laughs> mistakes were made. January 2020 was a very different time. <laughs> Dan- January 2020 was when I realized that I was like 15 books shy of my 2019 book list and I was like oh well you know I, I read so many books but I don't need to make a list on goodreads and that was the most thing I was thinking about was I don't need to like a list on goodreads I can just read for fun that'll so, be 2020 for me relaxed reading for fun so I said mm-hmm. I would read what did I set it as um so far I've read 52 books mm-hmm. um I set my challenge at 75 for this so, year? I didn't know. What was it last year? Okay, so last year was, last year I read 62 and I'd set it at 54. And this year you originally set it at 100? 70? No, 70s. I always try to increase it by 25%, but I had to decrease it one year. Where are you now? So I, I that. 50 something. Already? Yeah, I've only, I've only read only. 52 books. Only? Chasso Shalom. This is terrible. Chasso you're not going to make it. I know. No, I know, listen. I, I did read a lot of books this year. The truth is I just kept reading and reading and reading and reading. And I'm, I think I'm reading, how many books am I reading at once? It's it's bad. I'm reading a lot of books at once. I'm reading eight so I'm books. Doing that too. What am I reading? I'm reading Pride and Preference by Barbara Ben Susan. That is the, from Manucha Publishers. We call it ah, From Fiction. I love it. From Fiction. I'm so excited. Because listen, it's a Pride and Prejudice retelling what's not to like from the perspective of a from family that is a lower income mm-hmm. they live in brooklyn and the father is a manahel of a yeshiva do you know brooklyn <laughs> i do and i think they live uh, in like flatbush and the, okay. and the father is manahel and the house is a little dingy and older and they only have daughters of course and um, she's trying to get them all married off but people are already starting to look at them like they're old because the oldest is 20 oof. so it's like a little you know and nebbish because they're all teaching at base yakovs and it's like Everyone else is getting married, and the book starts with them going to a vort, where for a very wealthy family um, in Flatbush. That and they they comment like on how isn't it amazing that like these big beautiful houses exist in Flatbush where someone takes your coat and the, the food is amazing and the sushi everywhere. And meanwhile, they're living a few blocks away right, right, right. on Thirteenth, and it's like a whole different kind of experience. But they all have you know so they can tell the difference between the clothes, and she's wearing the dress from the from clothing store that I tried on but couldn't afford. Like right. there's a lot of that. And how the guy that they're dating, the Mr. Darcy character, is just a wealthy guy from Five Towns. <laughs> so it's it. really fun. And it's less of a... Because, again, it's a Manucha book, right? Yeah. So, and again, Pride and Prejudice original definitely had some muster in it. It was yes. really about, you know, letting go of your assumptions about who needs to be with who. And, right. Right. What you think you know about somebody. Right. Like Collins and... Yes. Yeah. What you think you know about someone. And not everything ends up the way it should be. Mary mm-hmm. should have easily ended up with the cousin. Mary should have married Collins, but it's good that the friend did. Fine. But so Pride and Preference is very similar to that in the muster way where it's like, you know, you feel a little bit of the muster of people mm. judge, judging each other for being, 
you know, oh, well, is it a good shidduch? I don't know if it's a good shidduch. What's the parents like? They're not my kind of people, right? Like the mothers mm-hmm. ever shaitzel is not like very nice. And that's not, I don't how will they get along with us? Like mm-hmm. they're a little loud. They talk about money because they don't have any. I don't like that. But I'm like, oh, this is making me uncomfortable. But I guess that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So I'm reading that. Miracles of Menorah by Stacey Agderm. Yes, I need to read that one. I'm still not done with God's Shade and Shadow, which means I think I need to DNF it. Which one? Oh, that was on my list. It's good, mm. but it's not holding on to me. And I know yeah. that this author has Mexican Gothic out now, which is oh, a I huge saw that. hit. So I'm thinking maybe Mexican Gothic is the one I need to dive into yeah. instead. Um, some of these I already finished. I just forgot to write that I finished. Okay, so okay. I'm only reading three at the same time. That's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, but like... And I'm about to start like five Alice Hoffman books because they're all on sale at Third Place Books for five bucks a piece. Love it. Yes. What about you? So I'm reading a book called Kisses and Croissants. Kisses and Croissants. By Anne-Sophie Jehano. What's it about? So my gosh. So, is it really that good? So it is a 16-year-old girl from New York <laughs> who is in Paris at a, an elite ballet school because she's been a ballet dancer for her whole life and she's really aspiring to be... Like the best. It mm. actually hasn't come out yet. It is public. It's going to be published in May of 2021. Okay. <clears throat> oh, you have an arc? Mm-hmm. And of course, the girl she always competes against at all these different regional competitions shows up also. Oh, my goodness. And then there's a cute boy, and then there's a family mystery, and I am loving it. That sounds great. Even little things like how her teacher yells at her and the way they. I'm like I'm having such memories from when I did ballet. I'm like, oh my god, yes, that is, that is a real ballet teacher. You, you can, don't get it sounds authentic to you. So authentic. Like obviously the author has has done some ballet. I think you need to in order to write certain sports. Yeah. Or spend a lot of time not just watching the performances, but also like reading and watching interviews. Yes. And, you have to know that their feet are ugly and they're yeah. bleeding, bleeding. And, and, the, and what and training that. sessions are like. And, and how important it is just little details about like what you're wearing. Like mm-hmm. it, it, you can't just say oh, she's wearing a leotard. We all know that you don't know what that means then because that's not how you don't wear. You're, she, and they describe how she's dressed like a bum. Because, you know, the thing before, right before class is you put on all these clothes. To stay warm. To stay warm. Yeah. So. I'm also reading a book called... If you've got it, haunt it. <laughs> About a, a woman who runs a vintage shop. I'm sorry, who came up with that title? And somebody went, yep, we got it. So, by the way, that's, that's not the title. The, this is not the only book with the same title. So, when you search oh. for it, this is one by Rose Pressy. Okay, so in case you're looking at the other, if you've got it, comic, <laughs> this is by Rose Pressy. So, she run, so, there's a gal who owns, she took her inheritance from her grandmother and her love of vintage, and opened a vintage shop, and then at a estate sale, she finds the ghost of the owner of the clothes that she's pawing through, and then accidentally lets on that she sees her, and now the ghost was following her, trying to get her to solve the murder. Of course. What else would she possibly do with her time? 100%. And that's, that makes perfect sense to me. Perfect sense. Ah, listen, I, I don't mind ghost <sighs> stuff as long as... It's not like, like Casper level needs to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it I has to that. hit the full Casper level. Like it has to hit the Beetlejuice level. Right. There has to be like a potential for long lasting relationship and that it could be bad if it's gone. Otherwise, it's just creepy ghosts in the corner telling you what to do. And it's no different than saying, oh, I had a dream and the dream told me what to do, which I hate as a plot device. Yeah, I hate that too. Right? Like, oh, I slept last night or I had a, a drug addled moment and now I'm, I'm Claire. I'm like, that's a... That's a lazy plot device to try to get me to move forward. The ghost has to be important to yes. the plot. The ghost has to be important. Right? Like, think about Casper, right? Yep. 
They're friends. This is important. Hello. Right. Becomes Devin Sawa for a few minutes mm. during the dance. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's another book that I just finished mm-hmm. that I actually, like, I'm kind of torn on it. Have you ever had a book where you're kind of like, you're not sure how you feel at the end? At the end. Yeah, absolutely. So this is The Bittersweet Bride. Um, it's a Vanessa Riley. It's the first in a series. And I have, it's one of those books where, like, I'm not sure how I feel about this, the first book, but I'm super excited to read the other two books because as I'm reading the novel, I know that these characters are being set up for a spinoff because I, I love them. I love, so it's about a woman who she, you know, she's the um, daughter of a, a prostitute who, like, you know, keeps herself, you know, on the up and up and becomes a flower seller. And then she gets entangled with a peer. And, you know, they are going to get married, so they think. And then the, his father steps in and breaks it up and sends him off to war. And so the son goes off to war and um, he dies. And then she ends up pulling it together. And the book starts with her shopping and she's a, a wealthy widow now. Hmm. And so it's really interesting. The thing is, is that I love her. It looks like a great plot. I was reading the back, like, you know. I love her, but I hated him. Oh. I hated him a lot. Like, he, every every chance he got, he misinterpreted something she said, did, or something was said about her to prove that she's unfaithful, unwilling, unworthy, like she's just a, a you know, I, I said gangbang before, but I can't say whore. I don't know why, but like. <laughs> yeah, if you, right. Isn't that funny? You know. Because that, but that's his perspective on her. Yeah, right? and he keeps bringing it up. And so I don't find him redeemable at all, but I love her. And the thing is, is that, you know, the author, and I don't fault the author because she made me love the supporting characters also. His brother is amazing. Her friends are amazing. Her butler is amazing. And I love all the characters and I love the the idea of parts of it. And I just hate the main love interest. I hate him. You know, it's, it's okay. When you were, first saw Gone with the Wim, mm. right? Because of Rhett Butler being so judgmental over Scarlett. It made you feel more empathetic for her? Yes, because yeah. what made me realize was he doesn't need to be that judgmental of her. She didn't actually do anything that wrong. Yeah. No, like, she's terrible. She's just, she's flirty and mean. No, she's, she's, and she's like, meh. But she's not. And oh, what, fair, that's fair. Right. That's fair. She's, she's just meh, but she's, she's not. She's just okay. meh. That's fair. And it, what, we're supposed to be fascinated by the idea that he sees the real her. Now, as a now, we know that that's a stupid concept. <laughs> but but that he looks at her and goes, "I see right through your facade, and I know underneath it's all ugly." I'm like, what the? That's supposed to be good, right? Like this, there's the I see the real you, like in Moulin Rouge, where you you McGregor looks at Nicole Kidman and he sees the real her, mm. right? He's like, "I know you're putting on a show because you're an actress right now. I know this is a performance." Yeah. The truth about Scarlett is that wasn't a performance. Yeah. She has that personality through the entire the time. book and the yeah. entire film. That's who she is. And Rhett looking at her like, oh, Scarlett, putting on an act as always. That's not an act. That's who she is. And his judgment of her was honestly kind of rude. And at the time, we fell for it because it was like a... A trope, right? Because I think you're told it's a romance. Yes. And so you feel like it's a romance because you're told it's a romance. Not because, That's right. Not because it is one. The same thing with Romeo and Juliet. Like, do you know how many years, like, I kept thinking of it as the quintessential romance. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I was like, I feel like they shouldn't all die at the end if it's a romance, right? <laughs> like, there's, It's definitely not a romance. And if I tell you, oh, I'm in love. Yeah. It's just like a Romeo and Juliet situation. 
you best be calling to help for me. That's because right. Because that means I'm probably going to end up dead. It's It would be very strange. It would be like, I love the Titanic. I feel like I need to have a ride just like that. Like, it's weird to say that. You That makes you go, what? Oh my God, I want that kind of romance. Really? You want your love to like die and slip into the ocean? Right. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It should not have been that hard for someone to tell Romeo, like, the message got lost. Oh my gosh. It wasn't a romance. It wasn't quite a, It's not... That one doesn't fall into a specific genre. Although the Claire Danes... Oh yeah. And Leo... Yeah. Version... I, do you hear something. the song playing in your head when they kiss <laughs> yes. through the fish tank for the first time? I'm kissing you or missing you or whatever the song was. I'm oh, kissing you. Oh my gosh. Uh, and they see each other through the thing and then they kiss near the bathroom. And he's dressed like a knight, and she's dressed like an angel, and then he falls into the pool, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) She was, like, she was awesome in that. Such a good movie. She was awesome in that. That was great. Such a good movie. And the guy who played Mercutio. Yeah. Mercutio was amazing. What's his name? I know that actor. Mercutio in the movie Romeo and Juliet. Don't remember. He was a, a, a wonder in that. It was wonderful. And what's great about that is if you didn't understand Shakespeare, well, maybe I shouldn't say that because I understood it, but if you, I feel like if you didn't understand Shakespeare, you understood that movie. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I think it definitely made it approachable. And it's different and kind of approachable than like 10, 10, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Which is so far away from the Shakespeare. Like that one actually was so close to the story that it was unmistakable. Yeah. Unmistakable? I don't know. I feel like it was very, very close to the story. I feel like it wasn't so much a retelling. Um, Harold, the actor's name is Harold. I feel like it's so not a Harold. Harold Harold Perrineau. And he's been in, oh, he was in The Matrix, one of them. Mm -hmm. He was in The Rookie. Um, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff that people would recognize. Oh, he was in Dumpling. I love Dumpling. I like Dumpling a lot. Dumpling was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, yes, making it accessible. So like this... This happily ever after thing. And Romeo and Juliet doesn't have a happily ever after. No, it doesn't. It's the opposite. They literally all die. They literally all die. But also, how do you get to a suicidal level in under a week? Well, you're 14. That's a lot for 14. I know, but they're feeling big feelings. I, I'm, I, yes. And they don't have good parental supervision. That's true. Look at Jasmine. She ran off with a street rat on a carpet. Mm. That's probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. But she, at the same time, they were the sorts of people that would fall in love and get married in 24 hours. That's fair. Right? So, like, that's fair. I did see um, a production in Seattle of someone I know who was playing in the show um, where they gave Romeo, like, hipster clothing a little bit. <laughs> Like he was emo a little, yes. like emo hipster. And they gave him a guitar it. to carry around. Ah, uh, yes, like a little mini ukulele. He may have been a drummer. Yeah, mm. and but they they kept the originality of the show. They just made him like a little bit of a troubadour, right? Like That's he's cute. just the kind of guy that walks around in like emo clothing, feeling bad for himself. And, and women like, fall in love with him all over. And women fall in love. Was with it him Rosalind all. at the beginning? Yes. Yeah, it was Rosalind at the beginning, yeah. which is a character from another show from Shakespeare. But this performance, what was great was even though they made little jokes out of the whole thing, when it came to the balcony scene, mm. there is something in the theater apparently where you don't mess with the balcony scene. Mm. When you, even if you're doing an interpretation, don't mess really? with the balcony scene. You do it. Hmm. You do it the right way. Hmm. 
I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. It's like not seeing Macbeth in a theater. Huh. You know this, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can't Scottish Macbeth, play. Which is why I thought it was funny that Hamilton says it. You didn't know this? Have you never listened to Hamilton? Yeah, of course. He says in one of his songs, he's talking about himself. He says tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which is a line from Macbeth. Yeah. And then he said... Um, uh, he tells everyone, in case, you're, in yeah. case you're not smart enough to get it, he gives in it away. In case you're not smart enough to get it, they think me Macbeth. I'm a little judgy. Yeah. <laughs> he, but he even says in his letter to his wife, without trying to name the play, he's like, I'm not going to name the play, but it's Macbeth. And I'm like, I think he did that as a joke, just to force... The actors to have to hear the name Macbeth recited in the theater every single night. It's really uncomfortable. It's funny as heck. (laughs) I'm saying heck. We we literally said gangbang earlier. We did. I know. I know. I mean, where I feel like I can draw my line. What's the line? Gangbang? I don't know. But not. Apparently not. But we can't say hell. Not here. (laughs) Not today. Oh, my God. Oh, no. (sighs) We'll have to mark this another Too Hot for Shoal episode. Well, or... I'm never going to write from a new book. That book took... (laughs) <laughs> that book took place in a shoal. So... <laughs> Did you see the promotional photo that she had for it of a girl all dressed up in leather standing in her babima? I can't. You saw I that picture. Can't. You saw I mean, it. This is why we put double curtains in front of the our own. It's true, actually. In case there is a gangbang mm-hmm. in the sanctuary. It's true. We you protect <laughs> the Torah and can't. be respectful in front of I it. Can't. I can't. <laughs> Listen, these people make a career out of this. Oh, 100%. They do. And this is this this author's career. Listen, I wish I could write 11,000 words about anything. Oh, so in case, just to switch topics all of a sudden, starting on Saturday night at As midnight is day one. We've mentioned this before. NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Woo! Or National November. Uh, NaNoChrono. Yeah. National November crochet that thing month yeah oh. so there's knit and crochet also so then we do the same kind of thing where you you try and get a certain number of stitches a day or a certain number of stitches a day. and they set it for you yeah. so like the other months of the year you can participate and set your own goals yeah but during the month of November the rules are 50,000 <gasps> words is it like that with the crochet they have rules one month a year it depends so it was on Ravelry and they had like some like mystery knit-alongs where like they release one line of the pattern every day and at the end of the month you have a thing but the thing is is you don't know what it is and so you're not sure if you're doing it right and so you get to the end where if you don't mind spoilers there's usually a spoilers chat so you'd be like this is what it looks like and someone's like oh no you attach the right side to the left side and it looks like this and you're like oh that makes much more sense than what I was doing I see what you're saying well they yeah so Nano will throughout the year Mm -hmm. sends out emails prompts yes they do so sometimes they'll send out like back when I was writing my vampire book when I was writing it back in May I got a prompt I can't remember if it was from them or someone else that said add a dinner party scene to your book just that's a lovely prompt because it goes with pretty much any story you're writing well I've got one in mind and I was like ah see well, it's not a good prompt because it's, it's Shabbos table. Yes. How you hard can is that? Do it with anyone. You could do it with anything. You know. Middle grade or a picture book or YA or erotica. It doesn't matter what you're writing. I know, a but now I'm party. imagining latkes on a naked body, and it's just, this is not what instead I want. of a sushi platter. This is not what I want for myself. Oh damn it! Now I'm, too. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm everyone. John Lovitz. Um, so, <laughs> John covered in latkes. We are here for your entertainment. <laughs> no. Please don't send us hate mail. We're Tune sorry. in. I hope we get hate mail. I hope we get any mail. That's fair. That's, That's true. Fair. I So I, okay, so a na- a National Novel Writing Month starts yes. at midnight, Saturday night, and there's people doing what's called a write-in where everyone hangs out on Zoom for an hour first and then everyone goes, go, write until you hit 500 words for 30 minutes, whatever happens first. Fine. 
and then everyone just signs off. But it gets you to do it because peer pressure kind of works. And people talk about writer's block. Here's the thing with writer's block. It's not real. There's, it's not, as you, as you think of it. Mm. People think writer's block means you sit in front of the computer and you don't, you can't bring yourself to write because you don't know what to write. Mm. That's not real. You can write anything you want. Yeah. Writer's block is the fear of writing something crappy. So it's funny because my writer's block is different. My writer's block is that I don't know what to write because what happens is I could write anything. That's right. Which is how I now have three in-progress stories. That's right. So you don't not, have to write in your progress story. Writer's I, block just means that, that you don't know how to finish this story. It doesn't mean you can't fair. write. That's fair. That's right. fair. But it still means like I'm not finishing one thing. That's true. Now I have three unfinished. But like, that's, that's what Nano's excessive. good for. Because yeah. Nano says to you, it doesn't matter if it sucks. That's it right. doesn't matter if it's accurate. I have a character who's using all these can't research suck books. Worse than, you know. Yeah, it's it's can't suck worse than an empty page. <laughs> she's she's every time my character has to research something, I just write the word book. I'm not gonna make up titles now or look them up. I'll do that later. That's I don't right. have time. It's That's nano right. time. I do have an insert funny pun here. See? In a few places, and yeah. you're good at funny puns. Like, so there's a lot of pressure with coming up with a funny pun in your own book. <laughs> Mine are accidental. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I come up with puns and then someone goes, that was good. And I'm like, thank you. But I'm lying. I didn't do it on purpose. Mm. Every time. That's fair. It's true. When I said that flush comment earlier, that was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she just said good job. And I was like, to what? Oh, I said flush. Uh-uh, <laughs> um, so I think you should do it. Yeah. I think you can write 50,000 words in a month. I, I think so too. I think, well, it's funny because... So here's the thing, this whole like pandemic, like crazy pants situation, I've got like stress, work, home, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So I'm not knitting or crocheting like I normally would. Those are things I enjoy doing. I'm not really watching real TV that I would watch. I have no desire to watch movies. Mm-hmm. Um, all I'm doing is like, I watch some reality TV, I'm watching some romance, like whatever well, I'm reading. You should watch The Queen's Gambit. Oh. That. You would I like seeing that online. You would like that. Okay. And it's not based on a true story. Okay. Go into that knowing that otherwise you'll be disappointed. Okay, that's right. Okay. So, yeah. So, so yes. If this had been a different year, I may have buckled down and done NaNoWriMo like I did last year. I yeah. did it last year. I did not get to 50,000 words, but I was making good progress for a good while. Yeah. Uh, what happened in the middle of it? Something happened in the middle and I was like, oh my gosh. I can't remember what it was, but like something came and like derailed me for a couple weeks. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was, but it was yeah. something. Yeah. That happened to me last November, too. Yeah. November 1st, I went to type, and I got an email saying, revision time! And I'm like, bye, Nano. Yeah. See you next time. And then again, it happened for Camp Nano in the summer, where, that happened the year before, Camp Nano, where I was, it was an r and I got to revise and resubmit, and it was day one of Nano. And I was like, bye, Nano, I'll see you later. So I actually haven't finished Nano in two Nanos. That's okay. I'll do it this time, mm-hmm. unless I get something good on day one. Mm-hmm. You know. Hey, you know what? If it's something good interrupting you, it's that's it's fine. Good, you know. Right. It's like, I don't like that. Exactly. You should write about that. Have one of your characters continually get interrupted while they're trying to do a thing. See? Mm-hmm. Easy to write a prompt. All you have to do mm-hmm. is have someone say to you, why not? Someone said to me today, um, they're like, you don't kill off enough characters. So it's true. I never kill off a character unless mm-hmm. they come back from the dead. So, well, I challenge you to only bring back one character from the dead, but only if that character kills someone who stays dead. Mm. And I realized that she gave me the ending to my book. There you go. Yeah. But but like telling someone something as simple as kill off a character who comes back and kill someone else. I could do that. You can make that work with pretty much any 100%. story. Except maybe a knitting romance. What? Like, 
Could you make that work for a knitting romance? Make what for? That you kill someone? Kill someone, then they come back from the dead and kill someone else? Yeah, of course, dude. These knitting, uh, so it's not knitting romance, because romance is usually like, there's no permanent death generally, unless it's like, whatever, it's yeah. old. But there are mm. knitting mysteries. Or like a muse, somebody's muse dies. Correct. Or a mentor or something. There's like a knitting, there's a knitting, a genre of knitting mysteries. Knitting mysteries. Where someone dies and the owner of a knitting shop has to solve the crime. That you, you've mentioned to me that knit so, shop books are like a popular thing. It's a thing. thing. It's yes. a thing. So you could totally do that where like, you know, um, this this famous influencer dies and disappears and everyone's in a whole flutter in the hole in the whatever and it turns back that she faked her death because of the pressure of being an influencer couldn't do oh, it. Oh, so coming back and from then, the dead, it's not that she died. she kills that, the person who was bullying her. See, like, come on, I can there? do it. 100%. Listen, I'm in a group of like, I'm such a... Uh, I feel like a fly on the wall with imposters, like I'm an imposter fly on the wall in a, <laughs> in a chat room of romance novelists. Yeah. And so they were talking about a cinnamon roll. Yeah. You know that concept of yeah. like the gooey, warm, friendly, loving, you know, male character generally. Aiden. Um, in Sex and the City is a cinnamon roll. Right. Where it's like. At least the first few seasons. It, not to say he's not alpha. He could be accomplished. He, he can be together. He can be with he starts it. Off, he starts off a cinnamon roll. But the idea is that, like, you know what, I, I love you and I want to take care of you. And He's that's cozy. Like whatever. Cozy, exactly. Yeah. So, fine, there's a cinnamon roll, and then you're know, describing what, what other kinds of tropes would be. And the one that was my favorite was brisket. Starts out tough, but after a slow burn, turns into a softy, and I'm like, I love it! That's a real thing in romance? Is a guy who's a brisket? In Jewish romance, it is. Oh, so, my God. So I hope I'm not giving away any from your secrets. Other but, Jewish romance but I was novels? like, I immediately have a brisket-themed romance idea right now. Oh, my God. I did not know that was a term, but I want to share that with the world. I'm, well, we just did, so <laughs> I just, feel like it's comfortable yeah. tweeting it. This was revolutionary. I do not know. But you think about it. How many romance stories does that start with? Like, he's too tough. And then it turns out that his tough exterior was hiding a soft interior, and he just needed like a long, like to be dragged along through the book until he was able to express himself. It's like a slow Keith Ledger burn. and Ten Things I Hate About You. Exactly. He's a brisket. He's a brisket, and he turns full on cinnamon roll at the end. Oh, when he performs that dance at the football field he's on the over. St- he's at that point. It's like, sorry, sir, you've shredded. <laughs> Put me on a taco. Simp too hard. Oh my god. That's for my daughter, who's embarrassed that I'm more uh, TikTok famous than her. Your daughter? Oh my God, Yonit! Uh, did we share that story on here yet? No. no. Let us hear the story so, of Yonit's random <laughs> TikTok fame in ten seconds or less on TikTok. So I feel like I am Kramer in this story because I just filmed a little video of me like watering my plant. Yeah. And I posted it to TikTok this morning, and then my phone has been blowing up all day because a hundred and six thousand likes. You know, I, I'm at. I'm at 700,000 likes. 700,000 likes. I looked at the number wrong. Yeah, and I like was already a, drinking. a million views. Oh, Jesus. Whew. <laughs> Whew. Jesus can't help us now. <laughs> neither beyond the, Jesus. Neither can the rabbi. He's busy. Oh, man. Oh, God. I can't. Um, so, yeah. So, like, now I'm TikTok famous. How long's the video? 20 seconds? 10 seconds? It's, like, maybe 15 seconds. It's and just it's me you watering, watering plant. your plant and the, the, the pot of the so plant So, it smiles. happens that I have a special pot that's, like, a Tamagotchi that you plant a plant into um, that I got on Indiegogo. And so, like, it's really, like, well, I was like, oh, my God, it's, like, a Tamagotchi. It makes me so happy when, when it smiles when I water it. So, I wanted to film it because it's just so cute. It smiles at me all the time. You know who doesn't smile at me? Teenagers. Teenagers don't smile at me. But your plant does. But the plant does. 
And you didn't even say that in the video. The video is just you watering it. And and you have, sorry, I thought that was a one. 700,000 likes, a million views, and probably in an hour, the hour that we've been on. I know, I haven't have been, checked my phone, so I don't know. Me, this like is really famous now. This is really like the unpredictability of TikTok is like you just don't know what people are going to want to see. Right, my book talk videos haven't gone very big, but now I have pressure to create more book talk videos where I just talk about the books I'm reading. Yeah. So now I have but to do Listen, that. every once in a while you post something and everyone just... That's the thing they see, right? Maybe, maybe they see it. That's the thing. Right. Sometimes you post something and you go to the end of the day and you're like, that tweet got zero likes and it was good. I was a photo. That was a good photo, yes. right? Or that Instagram post got totally missed. But then, or TikTok, right? Like, who's it? Hank and John Green, the brothers. Love the authors. He, they joke about Hank making like 11 TikToks a day. Where he just answers weird questions. I love him. Why can't we eat grass? Yes, so why can't good. we eat grass? It's delicious. Oh, he love him. just answers weird questions and he's great. He's like, why do people laugh? Because everything has a sound and aren't we humans lucky that we have a funny sound? A sound that we make instinctually <laughs> when we're funny? But his brother, John, who's the more famous Green because yeah. of his books and his movies, John Green will make like one TikTok every three weeks and get like... 10 million shares and likes immediately because people are like so excited that John Green posted Okay, TikTok. which is really ironic because I heard of Hank Green first because I followed his YouTube channel because of the science videos. Uh, and I was watching and the I English history him. videos, so I only knew John. Which is so funny. And, and so then, then I was like, oh, I guess, the books. you know, I love this guy and I guess his brother like writes books or something. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> Hank Green is great. He talks about Mars a lot. Yes! He loves Mars. That's like he his does. favorite thing is NASA. I'm a science nerd, so I just only, I watch the science videos, and then I guess, oh, I guess he has a famous brother. If you're listening to us, and you're at this minute mark already, which is the 52-minute mark, then you are a person who likes to listen to podcasts. So these two podcasts are both available on Spotify. Oh, yeah. To your Dear Hank and John, or Dear John and Hank, depending on who's introducing that day, where they answer weird questions like, um, how many ants would it take to carry a human? Mm. And why is why do we not eat grass? Things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But they, they end up getting more profound. Um, and then there's also John Green's, once every couple of weeks, he posts a podcast called The Anthropocene Reviewed. Anthropocene kind of means the development of human experience. Mm. So he rates two things per episode, where basically he writes these mini stories. These, oh. Not stories so much as reviews. He says he got attention a number of years ago for writing these amazingly beautiful reviews of things that weren't really about the thing they were about. Hmm. It was like, please review this restaurant. Please review this book. But what he ended up doing was talking about the history of the taco, right? What he ended Hmm. up doing was talking about his childhood going to Taco Bell and why he loved sitting in the car ride with his dad. Mm -hmm. And his father would listen to NPR. And he would sit in the back and read a comic book or play with his video games. And they would get there and sit side by Like, that's the kind of stuff he does. And that makes me happy. It makes you feel like someone's telling you a story. That's how I won an extemporaneous speech competition. Oh, same topic kind of thing? Well, so they asked me to talk about NPR. Mm. <laughs> that was the topic. And what'd you end up really doing? So my dad and I, my dad would pick me up from ballet and we'd sit in the car and, you know, almost every time he picked me up, there was some like call-in show on NPR about aliens and like the, you know, whatever. And we would just sit and sometimes, you know, you know when you get to where you're going, but you're in the middle of listening to something. So sometimes we would just sit. Even though we'd reach the destination, we'd like reach home or whatever, and we just sit and listen to it, you know? that's So whenever I think of NPR, I think of spending time with my dad. And so that's, uh, you know. See, that's the kind of, when people out there ask you to, you know, talk about a topic, they're 
they really want is to be entertained. Yeah. Right? Sometimes they want information, but you can find a way to do both. Which is why I like the moth. Oh, people love the moth. Mm-hmm. The moth is another good recommendation. I went it's in person. Stories. Oh, you went I to a moth telling? In person. It is short stories. Yes. So, so the idea is when you show up to a moth, you decide if you're in the audience or you're going to speak. And so you can sign up to speak. Yeah. So I, I'm. you can tell who's kind of speaking from the cuff and those who come with a prepared thing. Which, which are like, better. So I think that there is some amount of, listen, if you're an actor, come prepared, do your thing. If you are not actor and you are not gifted in acting, then you need to give yourself an outline and let yourself be more vulnerable. Are, they, are they true stories or are they telling I fiction? don't know. Ah, interesting. You can't tell. And so it's funny because I can't tell because maybe this person's a great actor and the reason it's really pulling me and I'm feeling their emotion is because they're good at acting. Yeah. Or maybe this is a true story. So it's you can't always tell, but I don't think that's the point. Some of these people really told stories that made you feel and it wasn't even sometimes the delivery that got you. Sometimes the story itself was interesting enough that even if the delivery was a little rough, mm-hmm. it was fine. Some people had very polished deliveries. Um, and there was one gal who got up there and her delivery was just, I mean, so the, I, I took a friend of mine on Mother's Day um, and we went to a mother, uh, it was, the theme was mothers. And um, so we went and, you know, everyone was talking about mothers and one gal, I was like, that wasn't about her mother. That was about her on the pageant circuit. And like, she mentions what her mom was doing some of the time, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it was about her and not her mother. And I was like, it just doesn't go. Like every other them, like it was either a woman talking about being a mother, someone talking about their mother, someone talking about not having a mother. Like everything was really more about motherhood. Um, and it was very interesting. Like one guy talked about, you know, um, escaping Iran with his mother and how oh. strong she was. And like, and now she basically is a homeless woman with schizophrenia, like wandering around. And, you know, it was like so poignant because it starts with like how she's such a powerhouse and so strong and he owes everything to her. And it ends with, and he's not sure what to do, how to help her, how to be there for her. And again, it wasn't the most polished delivery, but you just felt the rawness of the story. Yeah. And you felt like, like, just wow, like to go from one extreme to the other in your lifetime is a lot because you do, like, people do, no matter what your relationship is with your mother, there's still that, like, I don't know. You know, it's like um, the book Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, mm. which is the post 9-11 book. Not about 9-11. Yes, yes. But it is. Yeah. It's about a boy who lost his father, who goes through his father's things and finds a key that doesn't have a, anything that it goes with. And he makes it, this kid makes it his goal to try to find out what his dad's mystery key in his desk goes to. Mm. That's it. But that's the plot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, or there's, there's even a 9-11 short story that is about a guy from LA who had a couch that's supposed to be delivered that day. And he's like, he, his brain goes, I wonder if my couch is still going to be delivered. And then he ends up telling the story about having gone to Burning Man and what that experience was like and how he's trying to remember Burning Man and the experience of connecting with all humanity so he can remind himself that there's a world out there he needs to connect with and not just be a jerk sitting in his house trying to wonder where his couch is yeah, because yeah, yeah. here's a major thing that just happened to humanity 3,000 miles away. I'm supposed to care enough to not yeah. care about my couch yeah. and I don't. So I have to recall a time mm. when I cared about my couch, when I cared about humans. And mm-hmm. so he goes to that memory. But so is it about Burning Man? It's no, it's yeah. the yeah. topic was nine 11 and he ends up writing yeah. about a couch. Right. So like, but, but we do get what we came mm. for. So I think that when you're writing and someone like, you know, says like pick an item from your life that if there was a museum about you, this would be the one mm. thing that people would be most interested in. Oh, that's interesting. Is that a good prompt? 
See, like, when you're writing or telling like TikTok stuff. famous uh, plant. Uh... Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like people would, there's so much in, that's interesting about you. Yeah. But if you were to tell the interesting story of the day your TikTok went viral, <laughs> that tells you a it's, lot more about you than anything else. It's funny because there's a show that I really love. I didn't even finish watching it. I, I like the idea of it very much. It's called Being Human. It's a British show about um, androids. Like there's, you know, you can hire a very human-like robot servant. Mm. And it's not about robots. It's not sci-fi. I mean, it is sci-fi, but that's not what it's about. It's about what does that do to human relationships? Hmm. Like a man, it's my, I just loved it. So there's a man and his wife was in a car accident. So they get one of these and it looks like a cute boy and he does physical therapy with her. You know, she couldn't walk for a while. So he carried her around, like moved her from the bed. He was like a you know, uh, a home health aide yeah. and uh, this and that. And then they go shopping together and like this guy is jealous that his wife is spending all this time with this cute man looking robot. And then there's another one where there's a woman, she's like a highly successful judge, but I mean, she's not at home a lot. So they hire a nanny that's a robot. And then she's like super like, there's a, someone reading to my child that's not me. Are you saying that I'm not enough? Are you saying that you need, like, I'm not keeping up the house or I'm not being there for my children. You have to hire a robot to take my place. And then there's a man with, with dementia who um, who thinks his robot is his son or like, there's like a bunch Aww. of things like that. And it's like, it's, it's not about the fact that they're robots. It's more about like, what, how, how does that disrupt the human relationship? Yeah. Like, how do you, how can you be jealous of something that's not real, but like, doesn't matter it's real. Like if it's real to you and your emotions are real, then, you know. Which also takes into account the most important lesson of writing and being a reader as well, which is what Ray Bradbury said um, to Neil Gaiman uh, about Neil Gaiman, as, as you know, famous author, Ray Bradbury, the author of Fahrenheit 451. And in the intro to it, Neil Gaiman talks about being um, mentored by Ray Bradbury and how they became friends. And he says one of the things Ray Bradbury told him was people over the years would come up to him and say, you know this is the symbolism that your book had for me. And did you mean to do this thing where you predicted the headphones would be invented and you predicted that, uh, the, the government of, you know, would crack down on information, like all these mm-hmm. interesting things. And he always just said, yes, he goes, mm-hmm. it didn't take me that long to write that book. It's basically a novella. I wrote it in a library on one typewriter by feeding nickels and dimes into the typewriter. I only had the resources available in that library. I didn't have time to think of symbolism. Right. The rain was just rain. Right. He goes, but if you're reading it and you think the rain is about being cleansed or about noticing the world around you, you're right. Because once the book is published, it's not mine anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not mine anymore. Mm -hmm. I had someone recently who's read my um, vampire book who said something that it meant to her. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yes, you are right. It's not what I meant at all. But that's how she took it, this, awesome. this person who'd read my that's work. Awesome. And she was like messaging me, like, this is how I took it. And I'm like, great. That's that's wonderful. So as a reader, however you, me- you interpret it, you're right. You know, it's interesting because there are people who hate that. And, and I know that because... Hate what? Hate the idea that... You have to work. Because some some media they just spoon feed it to you. Mm-hmm. The book tells you what to think, what to feel, what what happened. Oh, they give you everything, and some people like that, and some people want like. And, and the reason I know this is as a child, we were talking about what happened at the end of The Giver. We read it in the fifth grade, ah. and everyone had different ideas. And then there was one person who was like, "I don't know what happened because the author didn't tell me." And we're like, "Well, which one do you think it is?" 
And we each gave our evidence of what we thought it was. And they were like, well, we can't know. Right? And instead so, of saying creatively what that meant to them and not knowing, they just said, we don't know. Uh, missed opportunity. Yeah, some people don't, um, I don't know. Like, I think, I, and I can't really say because that's why I, I want I want happily Biafras right now. It's because, like, you know, there's a, I have my comfort level with what I'm willing to struggle with, right? And something deep, I'm just not ready to, like, wrestle with it right now. I like the idea of it. Yeah. Um, there's a couple even dark shows where I'm like, oh, I was watching The Umbrella Academy. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love the idea. I love this. I love that. Don't love that. See ya. <laughs> like, not that it's not good, but I was like, nope. You know, I think that you you have your brain has to want to struggle with something, right? And, and I like, don't want to struggle right now. In like um the 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 Nomi Novik book I told you about, the School mm-hmm. of Med series, um a deadly whatever deadly education mm-hmm. that there were definitely sections and passages in there that I was like, she obviously meant this. She obviously had this message in mind. Like clearly, what she meant by this is that there are people who have so much power and they don't realize that their power is coming from these menial workers Mm. who are doing this little job. They've never noticed them before. Mm. And now that they've noticed them, they've noticed the menial workers are weak and powerless and they're taking the power and that they're kind of like, huh, I didn't know they were even there. It's kind of like not knowing that there's an engine in your car, mm. right? And I was like, oh my God, she's, this is a message about power discrepancies in society. But honestly, it could have just been her magical system. Yeah. That she was right. like, there needs to be, I need to do some world building. <laughs> right? She, I don't know what she meant. <laughs> Maybe she so, didn't mean that. I was live tweeting an interview I was watching on Monday. With- I, I missed the one today. Did you see who spoke today? No was um, she spoke about Adi LaRue with Naomi Novik speaking about her book. Right, so I was watching uh, V.E. Schwab talk about uh, The Invisible Life of Adi LaRue. And it was, Which is like a Dorian Gray retelling. Oh my right? God. So, they, yeah, she, you know, the main character um, gets immortality at the cost of invisibility. No one notices her, no one remembers her. And the idea is like, you know, and she was talking about the, what's the difference between being alone and being lonely which is, which is my thing because I'm not an introvert, right? Yeah. So, like, but the people idea... think you are. Really? Maybe. Yeah. I'm asking. No, no. People know I'm an extrovert. But what they oh, don't okay. understand is... I'm sorry, I missed the question mark. No, so, like, what, <laughs> pe- what people don't understand is that, that it comes with a lot of things. I don't go out to dinner alone or go to a movie alone because, to me, that's sad. I don't find it a relief to be in my own person. Like, some people are like, oh, I can just go by myself. What's the Hebrew word going around today? He'd blow it yeah, I don't like that. He'd put it to But it's not just that. Lonely like, meditation for the, like, screaming into a void by yourself or going somewhere by yourself to sit in the woods and, and just... Some people find that very soothing, yeah. but, like, to me, it's like I want to share an experience with someone, so, like, mm-hmm. some things I just don't find good alone. So her whole thing is, like, So you and he put it to don't work together. Not really a thing. But, like, Adela, so her whole thing is that people don't remember her, so she kind of, like, walks through life without making any marks on it. But except that she kind of does. Like, she's still producing things or inspiring someone. They just don't remember where it came from. Oh, that's fascinating. And okay. So Did she, she talk was... about imbuing meaning behind it on purpose? Well, or... so she talked about some things. And then one thing was like, so um, Addie LaRue has a didactic memory. And you read didactic... it. No, I haven't read it. It's on my list. Yeah. She has an eidatic or how a, is it? An eidatic memory. Okay. Where she, ha- she remembers everything. No one remembers her. And she remembers literally everything. <sighs> and she talks about how, like, there's three main characters. Addie LaRue. The dark force that gives her her immortality, um, and this guy she runs into in a bookstore who remembers her. Oh, and I'm real excited. Oh, to read that's this like book. in the Beatles movie. 
Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's uh, so the idea that that's all going on, and then and then she the one thing that got me is that the author is then talking about, well, books coming out right now, right? We're not having parties. We're not having signings. Yeah. We're not having you know conferences. We're not having yeah. all the things we'd normally My have. My new stack of Alice Hoffman books is just gonna have to wait. Unsigned. I know, but the whole, unsigned. So, well, so then the author said, but except that, how about now, when the idea of grappling with loneliness and alone. And how to be in a world when you can't interact with it. Like maybe this is what it needs to be right now. And this generation of people are going to read it. And they're going to get something out of it that she could have never foreseen. Oh, because she clearly wrote this like two or three years ago. Right. So she, this is, I get what you're saying. That's amazing. So even though when she wrote it, she couldn't have predicted the meaning behind it. It becomes relevant. Like now the relevance, relevance is like through the eyes of people who are sitting alone for eight months. It's amazing to see the way that changes. The way a book's meaning, like Fahrenheit 51, changed. Mm -hmm. Right? Like a book's meaning changes as things start happening. You go, this bears an eerie resemblance to that fiction novel that time. It's also like, you know, every time I... There's some books I've reread. I don't reread a lot. But there's certain books that as I reread them, you know, and, and the reason I'm doing it is because my professor in college said, when I read Ender's Game as a child versus as a parent, I just, it came across very different. And so now I see myself doing the same thing. Like when I'm reading The Hating Game and I'm like, I'm on HR's side. HR and I, she, I would be right with that lady like being Benny like, and this rent. is not okay. Like Benny. Exactly. Pay your rent. He's going to give you free space. Exactly. He's so, going to make a donation to the homeless. He's going to do all the things you want. And you're like, no, we don't want all the things we want. Why is he the bad guy? We want none of them. Right. So... So it hits you a little different than when you're younger and you are easily romanced Anti, by anti-establishment. Like, yeah, yeah, you know all that stuff. So. Oh my gosh, the Benny thing I think is the best example of sympathizing or Miss Hannigan. But it, Miss, oh, Hannigan Miss Hannigan falling into her bathtub full of gin. I get that. <laughs> it's just very relatable. It's a lot of or orphans. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You're like, I am well on the the side of like the authority here yeah like i am not on ferris's side no especially if you skip that many days dude right if it was one day i'd be like he's a senior let it go but like that's a lot of days i watched a jtt christmas movie over christmas holiday last year and i was like he's a real jerk jonathan taylor thomas in the movie his character is like one of those entitled guys and then at the end he gets the girl and he gets everything and i'm like he should face consequences for being a jerk. They never face consequences for being a jerk in Hallmark movies. The only consequence they face is that they see themselves for the jerk that they are. Well, sometimes they get better. I did not know I was a jerk. Well, <laughs> that's yes, but that's the only consequence they face is the guilt. Yeah, but then they put on flannel and they become nice. That's true. They have to change or a sweater. See? Are you wearing a sweater? See? I am wearing a sweater. Just and a ponytail. for you. <laughs> And I'm wearing sneakers instead of high heels. And these are tennis shoes just for you. Look, I've loosened my tie. Listen, they change. They change. You are a changed man, sir, since you arrived here. Now our, that I'm wearing my flannel. Frozen Midwestern I am town. Not, I'm not a stuck-up okay. big city guy anymore. The TikTok of the girl, I think we mentioned it last time, who goes to New Hampshire. She's in Vermont. Vermont, right. <laughs> and she's standing in the woods and going, I think I'm doing this wrong because I left my corporate job. I came to Vermont. I'm wearing a knit hat and a flannel. I sat in many coffee shops and bookstores, and no one has fallen in love with me Did or changed see? my ways. Where she goes to the gazebo, <laughs> she goes to City Hall to meet the mayor. Oh no, I didn't goes, see that. She goes to a Christmas tree farm to announce out loud, "I hate Christmas." 
someone's like, okay, well, you need to hold a full cup of coffee and no. walk quickly around corners. No. So then there's a montage of her. Is she trying to bump into men? Yes. And does she? No. <laughs> the street's empty. She's like, maybe this is What happens when she says, I hate Christmas at a Christmas shoe shop? No, no one was there. Literally no one was there. No one was there. <laughs> No one's in the gazebo in town hall either. The, oh, but... And then the, she can't even see the mayor because it's outside of business hours. Can you hours. send me the link to her page? I've yes. only seen the ones that... This is... Okay. Should I get TikTok? This, let's oh. end with this. Sell, <laughs> sell your listeners and me, most people who are not yeah. 18, on getting... Even if we're not going to post to TikTok. Yes, I hear that. On Just getting to watch TikTok. It. Just to watch. So I'll say that the algorithm's pretty sweet. So I... I find that Facebook is people I know posting things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram, I just haven't gotten into because I guess I'm not as much of a visual person. So it just hasn't really t- grabbed me. It's very visual, yeah. Twitter, I like. Um, and I've got like a core group that I follow. But I feel like I'm not discovering new people or discovering new content Oops. very much. Like I'm really just... Sorry, in- keep kicking the table. Yeah. I'm just like ingesting from the same people. Yeah. What I like about TikTok is... Like, once I kind of give TikTok an idea of who I am, I just get served lots of that content mm-hmm. from, like, all kinds of people. And so TikTok knows a few things about me. One, um, I'm a Jew of color, so it shows me a lot of diverse people, which is really cool. So there's nothing like watching someone do a traditional nat- uh, first people's dance to WAP or, uh, uh, I know, um, we went and said gang eating before. It's just going to go down from there. Or like an Indian, <laughs> uh, like a traditional Indian dance, like from India. Yeah. She's wearing a sari and she's dancing to some like pop music, which is nice. pretty cool. Um, so I see a lot of dance. I see book talk. I see a lot of people who read different books, mostly the same kind of books I like to read, but like enough different that I'm like, ooh, pause, write down a bunch of titles, that kind of thing. Plants, people who like plants, moms. For a while, I was liking too much teacher stuff, so TikTok thought I was really into being a teacher, but I'm not a teacher, so I had to, like, stop liking too many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? It knows I like the Great British Bake Off. Like, it knows what I like. It knows that I love those Hallmark movie tropes. Um, like, I would, it really knows what I like. I would do that right away, is immediately start liking those things mm-hmm. so that it would learn quickly. Jessica wants to see this kind of stuff. She yes. wants to be, she wants to laugh. I don't want to learn anything. Exactly. Well, so now I'm also learning something because I follow Hank Green and he's well, hilarious. I and... want to learn the way Hank Green teaches. Meaning, yes. that's the style of learning I want. I yes. don't want the learning where someone sits in the middle of the screen and points at things. Right? Oh, no, no, no. That's like, my son likes those because he likes like history TikToks mm. where it's like they point at an article about something and then they point at an article about something else and they point at the guillotine and they're like, that's the French. And I'm like, I, I get it. It's a history TikTok. Yeah. It's very educational. That's so I fine. follow a lot that talk about entomology or etymology. Which one's about words? Et, et. <laughs> etymology. Entomology is bugs. Bugs. I know. Okay. I confuse. I those thought maybe time. you were following bug TikTok. Funny. Let me no. see near your phone a bunch of times. Bugs <laughs> TikTok. Spiders, roaches, cockroaches. So um, we'll see how that tummy shows up that way. A lot of word origins, which is super fun. Yeah. Super fun. That I would. Um, I, I would like etymology. Yeah, and there's a, a few that are, like, really interesting history, like how the bunt pan was invented. <laughs> Not really invented, but bunt. how it came to America. Bunt. It was yeah. a bunch of Jewish women who went to a cake pan factory and were like, can you make a, this pan that we, that for a cake that we brought from Germany? What? And they were like, yes. And then they didn't think anyone would buy it. And then they started selling it. <gasps> what? So if you and like And now it's pan, like a waspy cake. If you like big bunts, you thank the Jews. I do like big bunts. <laughs> I can't lie. I just can't lie. But it's a Jewish cake. It's a Jew- we invent we the, the bunt. It's us. The bunt. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. So I discovered that on, on TikTok. Yeah. Along with Babka, Ragla, Chala. It's true. I also, Hollywood. I also, so it's funny because there are certain people, so my love language has become sending people TikToks. Okay. I think they'll like. So I send my daughter one. It was like this guy being like, I am an adult now. And so as an adult, you're not going to tell me what time to go to bed. You're not going to expect me to take care of my brothers. You're not going to this. You're not going to that. And she goes, I've heard your thing. And I agree. If you're an adult, you will be paying rent. You will not have access to my home after 10 p.m. because my family will be asleep. And you are an adult. And if, and, oh, and the, the guy, the kid says at the end, and you can't hit me because that would be assault. And she goes, I will lay hands on you. And if I do, I will be petty enough to call the police and tell them that a grown ass man is putting his hands on me. <laughs> That's a great ending to it. You know, grown like, ass man. It was like, okay. You know, so I send them All stuff right, like so that. I, see, I just, so want, I just want to be distracted for 15 minutes at a time. But I don't want to get addicted. So you're oh. saying if I... Well, it's not like playing Scrabble where I get addicted and I spent 24 hours playing 15 games at a time until I realized that I was not sleeping and not eating and I was just playing Scrabble. There is a thing called doom scrolling. I doom scroll Twitter. So you'll doom scroll TikTok. Today, I literally doom scrolled Twitter, correcting the same mistaken tweet that everyone was sharing for every single person that shared it. I'm like, actually, here's the information. Actually, here's the information. Oh my gosh. Actually, here's the information. And I was like, stop, Jessica, stop it. So I stopped. Oh my gosh. My friend. Someone's wrong on the internet. (laughs) Someone's wrong on the internet and Jessica's here to save the day. And then I realized what I was doing and I was like, "Uh, what's happening? I need to get up and have coffee. I need Mm -hmm. to have a day. You know, I I need to, it was that John Green was talking on a show the other day about when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you're doing nowadays usually is Mm -hmm. because we're parents, we have to turn on our phone to fill out our kids' screenings. Yeah. Which means we now have our phones yep. in our hands. Yep. So I opened my phone. I felt my kid's preschool, you know, the one he has to do mm-hmm. before he starts school screening for COVID. And then all of a sudden my phone's in my hand. Yep. And I'm like, oh, I have 17 emails. That's weird. Oh and I wonder if any of them are really important to me. Maybe one of them is about my book. And, oh, let me see Twitter. I have a message. Oh, the person sees I saw and now I have to reply right away. And then all of a sudden you're downloading the world's information on you, and you haven't even peed yet. You have not even peed yet. I mean, you haven't even said Moda Ani, and you already know what's going on on the East Coast. It's too much. It's too much. Can I just watch Natila Sidaim, and then you can tell me the world's coming to an end? Because I would really be great. So it's interesting that you say that, because it used to be that as soon as Shabbos is over, not like, oh, I'm Shabbos, see ya, kick the door. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I, I would grab my phone and see what did I miss. Yeah. And then now I'm like... Every time someone says, what did I miss? I Hamilton sing in my head. What did I miss? Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I don't. I'm oh, like, I don't want to know. I want to keep this blissful not knowing going longer. Yeah. I'm extending Shabbos for a little bit. I don't want to know. It's like that gif of um, the baby running into the room and then running back out. <laughs> That's That one gets posted by someone Jewish every Saturday night. Yeah. Like all of us <laughs> coming back to the internet and going, you know what? No, you know, I'm going to have a bowl of chicken soup. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I have, it's funny because I say that Facebook's just all my friends and just posting the same stuff, but it's not true. I'm in a few Facebook groups that are pretty right. distinct. Like I'm in Olaf, Orthodox Ladies United History United Chicks were in that. I'm in History Chicks. I'm in Ancient Memes oh, for something. I found all teams. the Jews in History Chicks today. Somebody posted a letter that their grandmother had, their grandmother passed away or grandfather mm-hmm. passed away and had a box of old letters from different family members. And one of them was the great grandfather's 
letter to his brother, and it was written in Yiddish. And the girl who mm. posted it didn't know, even know what language it was. Oh, wow. She didn't know. If it, it would be confusing. She, she, she didn't appear to be, like, Jewish-oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she didn't even know that her great-grandfather, she knew her great-grandfather was Jewish. She didn't even know what she was looking at. Yeah. She's like, I think these are letters that are written right to left, but I'm not sure. Can someone tell me what language this is and what it's written in? Wow. And all of a sudden, every Jew showed up. They're like, that's Hebrew. It's written in Yiddish. Yay! And everyone was able to read so the first funny. line because the first line was obvious what it's saying because certain mm. words sound the same in German and, and Yiddish and English, like brother. Yeah, yeah, And the yeah. name Herschel's the same in all yeah. languages. But all of a sudden I looked at the, I'm like, 54 comments? There's 54 Jews here! All the Jews are coming. <laughs> but it's funny because sometimes I'm scrolling and I yeah. forget what group I'm in and sometimes I'll, I'll comment yeah. and I'll be like, oh no! I, I said too much. <laughs> Except that this time it was so funny. So it was a post about Pride and Prejudice and it was like, you know, book nerds get real upset when the movie diverts from the book, except if there's a wet Darcy. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was like, you're right. And I thought it was an Olaf. And so I was, I posted about Lost in Austin. Have you seen that miniseries? I haven't seen it. <laughs> so good. So she goes through her, her bathroom has a fake wall that leads into the Bennett household. Oh, nice. And then she and Elizabeth Bennett switch places. Oh, I, that's a good, I like that so, premise. And then she just goes through the book, messing it up. So what'd you write? So I posted a picture because there's a scene where Darcy gets wet. And I was like, Ay! you know, like they what kept Facebook the wet Darcy. It? So it was like ancient memes for precocious teens or something. And then no one got it? No, no, they did. Everyone did. It was... But your intention, your mind intention yeah, was Yeah, yeah, because I was like, oh, here's a bunch of nerdy people talking about Pride and Prejudice. It's probably Olaf. And they were all very, like, uh, not to say that they would be not nice about something, but like it was, it felt good. Whereas I've been in other groups and I've been like, I regret even that I'm here. <laughs> Why did I comment here? This was a bad idea. I mean, like some of the Star Trek, whatever. I'm in yeah, a lot you of don't want, You want to be careful. I, there was one group that I'm in called The Jury, which is, we talk about shows on Bravo and they have mm. a great podcast called Two Judgy Girls. But there's this one character who's recently married a Jewish guy. Mm. And this particular Jewish guy has a really, really big nose. And everyone keeps talking about it nonstop. Now for me... Mm. Over the having gotten people on Instagram and people on Twitter sending me disgusting DMs or calling me a kike or saying, "Oh, look at the the kike nose," things like that. Where this is something we get. Yeah. So constantly hearing people make fun of him for only his nose, yeah, and posting pictures of his nose where they attach like a penis to his face or like it just starts it, at one point and it, the, the extension pictures of his nose where they make it look even bigger. At one point, it started to look like the kinds of things that people accuse each other of anti-Semitism over. Yes. Like, oh, you had this guy running for Congress and you extended his nose in the I picture. That. Oh, that's anti-Semitism. But when this, when the jury keeps making yeah. fun of this guy's nose and he's the only Jewish guy in this entire show. Yeah. And so finally I commented, I'm like, you guys, could we just cool it with the nose comments already? It's a little like, I hate to use the word triggering. It's not a word I use a lot. But in this case, it's just a lot to handle as a Jew. And someone replied to me like, hello. I'm a Jew and I think it's funny. <laughs> no, none of the Jews said that. It was a non-Jewish woman who was like, hello, you're the one that brought it up, Debbie Downer, party pooper. I'm like, uh, I, what? I literally didn't even know what to do with it. Oh. I was like, okay, I regret posting it. And this is why we never say anything because there's always one person who comes in and goes, we're just having fun. It's funny because we were talking about representation somewhere and I was explaining. I was like, yeah, do you know? Like, it's kind of exhausting to have everything be Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And then yeah. when I say that I need time off for my holidays, it's like, those don't exist. What are you talking about? Yeah. And someone replied, they're like, but I'm Jewish and I love Christmas. And I'm like, 
I love that you love Christmas. Great. But I find Don't be it, on a Hallmark t- uh, movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm, the parties are fun. Yeah. Cookies are yummy. Like, I get it. I like um, eggnog as much as the next person, but like... Makes a great it's, cocktail. It's not the only holiday. And when you yeah. say something's a holiday, and I, I always know that when you say holiday, it means Christmas. Even though there's like a million other holidays it could be, I know it means Christmas. Yeah. And that's kind of ridiculous. You At some point you go, oh, I shouldn't have said anything. I... You know, I felt bad because my daughter's a holiday dance performance last year, this pre-COVID, um, and she, everyone was supposed to dress up in, you know, Christmas sweaters and, and with their tutus and everything like that. So my daughter, we went out and bought a bright blue tutu, a Hanukkah yes. t-shirt, yes. and she got a, um, yes, a, Hanukkah queen, a lit up menorah headband that was light, yes. like flashing. We had it turned on and set to flash mode. Yes. So she gets up there with her friend who's also wearing one and everyone else is in Christmas clothes. And the two of them are dancing in a gym, decorated to the nines for Christmas, for the holiday performance. Yeah, right. The only holiday they've decorated for is Christmas. There are plenty of Muslim and Jewish girls in this room. This is the 98118 neighborhood. I look around, and we are a very diverse room. And yet it is only decorated for Christmas, because they called it a holiday show. And I will tell you that afterwards, I posted a picture on Instagram of her and said, you know, she did great at the holiday show. And the owner messaged me, and she's like, next year I'll make sure there's... Other Something holidays else. represented in the decorations. But like, sorry on, about that. And I, I, but I didn't say anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. was the one time when I didn't say anything and it yeah. worked out. Yeah. But it was more like me, sh- my daughter showing up in flashing light menorah yes. against the background of, of only Christmas decor. That was all I need to do. And they looked at it and went, huh, we may have screwed up here. <laughs> we may have made assumptions about our audience that are no longer relevant and we have a room full of people who celebrate other holidays. Whoopsies. <laughs> like, nothing for Kwanzaa. It was right. it was one of those moments where we looked around and went, hmm. It was funny because, like, I was at a work event. And I have, I'm i putting a lot of these stories into my Hanukkah Yeah, no, story. we're storytelling here. But, we started talking about TikTok <clears throat> and wrapping it up. 20 minutes later, we're still telling stories. Still so that's, you're here for I'm us. I'm sitting at a work event, and they bring out Train, who's a local band, to play yeah. a Hanukkah. Oh, I'm sorry, to play a Christmas song. And I'm sitting there. I'm looking around the room. And I'm sitting with my coworkers, and they're all like, "Who is that?" They're all Indian. They don't, know, they don't know who Train is. They don't know the song they're playing. Like they're not really like, "What is happening?" Like you know, I mean, even if you've been Americanized, you're still like, "I'm really not sure why this is happening." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, you're you're fine." I also am not sure why this is happening. Like, right? Like what? We're you know. <laughs> Listen, as that one newscaster said, I once was watching the news, they're talking about religion in the country, and they, at the end they showed this big pie chart, and they just spent the, a whole bunch of time talking about, like, 1% Jews and 2% Muslim and this and that, and really it was, like, 90% some sort of Christian domination, but it was so many Christian denominations that she goes, so you can see we're a very diverse religious country, and I'm like, okay, Baptist evangelical... Mennonite, Amish, uh, Lutheran. Catholic, Lutheran. <clears throat> that doesn't. That's not diverse. That's just different kinds of Christians. So, like, I definitely thought that that was one of the funnier. I literally remember <laughs> bursting out like guffawed while I was watching. Oh. Um, so I, you know, it's coming up. We have to grin and bear it. Yes. I think that this year Hanukkah ends before. Christmas is even near the beginning. Well, my friend started bringing Hanukkah up last week, and I was like, I am not ready. Is it Hanukkah? I was like, what What? What year is it? I started looking at my watch. I'm like, where's the calendar? Are we still in Mar Cheshvan? I don't know. The Cheshvan being so bitter because there's no holidays in it, but I'm not bitter. I am not bitter at all. I know. I'm really enjoying this we non-holiday so time. so much money in Cheshvan. The, the, the moms and the budget keepers oh alike, or both, 
We love our our cheshvan. Oh my god! The only thing I'm spending money on is school lunch. I'm reading so many books. It's so nice. I bought I books have free this time. Month. I know, and I could buy them because I wasn't buying Hanukkah presents and I wasn't buying food for Yantif. I bought all eight of the Bridgerton series from Julia Quinn because why the... not get them all now? You're going to buy them anyway. I did. I bought them all. Exactly. All eight of them. That's exactly. what I'm saying. So like, why I bought I almost, five Alice Hoffman books? Because I was there. Right. I might have. I I considered also buying a bunch of the prequels, but I was like, listen, I'm going to buy the main series, and we'll see because the mini series is coming out in December. You're gonna read them. And you want to watch the miniseries. I need to read all eight of them. And if now you I haven't, them. Let's, actually, let's wrap it up with this one tip. Okay. Discovery of Witches Season 2 is about to come out oh. in a week. This week. Yeah. We all need it. Mm-hmm. We all need a break from other things. It's time. Not that we're talking about what the other things are. It's just time. It just is. So if you have not read Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness. Oh, yes. The show is good on its own. Get in there. You do not need to read it. But... I recommend you do because there are different experiences. And one is first person, and one is third person, which means you get to explore more characters in the in the show. And the the uh, second season of Virgin River is dropping. I haven't read those books, but that's on my list also. So right. the Bridgerton series and Virgin River made into uh, mini series or TV shows a mm-hmm. season. So read the books and start watching with us. Right. If you read the books and start watching with us, you also remember, you've all seen all of Netflix. You're, it's over. Netflix it's, is, right. we're done. Right. right. There's a new documentary about some tomb in Egypt that came out yesterday. And I was like, thank God, something new. <laughs> I watched The Queen's Gambit the day it came out. And I was like, okay, what else is here? Nice. So you're done. You're done. You finished Netflix. And now That's that true. you've finished Netflix, let's read some books that have series that are ongoing and you can keep up yes. with the Kiddish Book Club. Exactly. You can find... You need on TikTok. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, I'm too famous on TikTok, but you'll find her by accident. Everywhere else, I'm Yoni DM. <laughs> okay. Not on TikTok. TikTok, no. I have a different username. You're not going to share it? Not yet? It's a lot. I'm You're not a little, ready yet. I'm a little too famous right now. If you don't already know, <laughs> you have a problem. Yeah. And I am Hoffman Jess on Twitter and on Instagram. We are Kish Book Club. So yes. come and find us. And, you know, we don't post that much, but we do post our um, yeah. episode updates. And tell us what you're reading. Yeah. Please do. Because we know you're reading something. Yeah. And please tell us what shows to watch on Netflix we haven't watched yet. Assume we've watched everything and then give us advice. Yes. Right? Exactly. Like, I know you've watched everything, but have you seen this one obscure thing that you may have to search for? Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, we want that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Have a good one. Bye.